Welcome to What's Up Tybee. I'm Sandy McLeod. The past couple of weeks on the island have been kind of slow as all of us try to dig out from under Omicron and hope for better things as we get closer to warmer weather. March is just around the corner, and that's pretty exciting because for the first time in two years, the Tybee St. Patrick's Day Parade is scheduled to go on on Saturday, March 12th. We'll have more details about that event and also be chatting with one of the island's most adorable organizations that will be marching at that event in our next podcast. But right now, we're going to visit with our special guest. It is one of Tybee Island's most prolific artists. Most of the time, her works are pretty easy to identify because they often have a gothic, dark, occasionally even a bit of a creepy edge, but in a strangely really good way. Her name is Tiffany Starr O'Brien, and her artistic flair may have been partially genetic. Well, I am from Winston-Salem, North Carolina, originally. I have two sisters. I'm stuck in the middle. I have an older sister, Lisa, and a younger sister, Mindy, and we are each seven years apart. So, you know, we're not, didn't grow up super close, but they are both artists as well. And then my dad is an artist, and we're all self-taught. Tiffany went to college in North Carolina, where she met her husband, Lee, and they settled down in their hometown for a while. She started having art shows and selling her work. Then one day, she went to Lee and said, hey, let's move to Miami. He quickly passed on that idea, but suggested New York City or San Francisco as alternatives. Tiffany quickly thought about it and decided it would have to be New York for a variety of reasons. We like the food and walking. We just walk and walk and look, and I love all the culture, the different cultures, the different races, and everybody just mingling together and getting along, and the buildings, the architecture, and then, of course, my love of Coney Island. Everything about New York, I just really enjoyed it. And we we had also been to San Francisco, too, and I did like it there, but I had heard some kind of quote by Mark Twain or something about the coldest winter he ever had was a summer in San Francisco. So that scared me. I don't like cold weather. After the move, Tiffany worked as a graphic artist by day, but stayed connected with her fans in Winston-Salem with the art that she was producing in New York. Didn't really have any connections up there. I didn't move up there to be an artist. You know, you hear people moving there to make it as an artist, and that's really not what I went for at all. I just went for the experience. So while I was there, I still had shows in Winston-Salem and kept that gallery supplied with artwork. And then I would participate in some group shows in New York at some galleries. But the scene there is, as you can imagine, just really hard to to get into. And I just didn't have the energy or the desire to do that because I had too much New York City to see. But I did, I had a little tiny studio in our living room. It was like a living room, dining room, studio, all together. And uh, that's where I worked. So I did actually, I had a show of miniatures where I painted miniature paintings because that works well in a New York City apartment. Probably my smallest painting would have been an inch by an inch, and the largest one was three by five. Tiffany is a featured artist on a really cool project called Artomat. It's an idea that started about 25 years ago by an artist named Clark Whittington. Artomat are these old 
cigarette machines that he has different artists refurbish and decorate and paint. And instead of dispensing cigarettes, they will dispense a piece of artwork the same size as a pack of cigarettes. And they're $5. They have been $5 ever since I started, and they are still $5. He has machines um, all over the country, a few international machines. I'm not sure where they are, but... um, there's a lot in restaurants, you know, higher-end restaurants and bars and galleries, uh, gift shops for museums. That's where you can find the Artemat machines. A lot of Whole Foods have them as well. And he's looking for more artists. So if any artists want to look at it, check out Artemat.org. For more than 22 years, Tiffany has had her art dispensed from those machines. The creator of the project continues sending her the fiberboard blocks about the size of a pack of cigarettes, and she paints her creations on it, then wraps them in cellophane, just like a pack of smokes. But don't ask her where you can purchase those works. I ship them to him, then he ships them out. So I have sold art via that all over the country. And each month we get what he calls a green card, and it'll tell us where we sold our pieces of art. Now, I do get a lot of people contacting me wanting to know where they can go buy it, but that's kind of the fun part. I never know where they are until after they've already sold. But I've sold them in Las Vegas, New Mexico, California, almost always in. There's one in Atlanta that's right beside the Braves baseball stadium because they did like a contract. They wanted only Georgia artists to fill their machines. So I'm almost always in that one. One of Tiffany's favorite things about New York City was Coney Island, and her interest about carnival lifestyle comes from childhood. Growing up, I didn't know about Coney Island, but we had a county fair, and that was that was better than birthday and Christmas. I just loved every time the fair would roll around, just from a little girl, just the rides and the colors and the the murals painted for the the sideshows that they had. Now, my parents, they would never let me go into the sideshow. And so maybe that's why I got so fascinated with it. You know, what's in there and why can't I go see what it is? And the first time we visited New York, I did not get to go to Coney Island. It was a work trip, so I had to do with work prepared. So then we went again for my birthday, which is in March, which in New York is still very cold. And people were like, what are you going to do for your birthday? I said, I'm going to Coney Island for my birthday. And everybody was like, oh, no, that's going to be a waste of your time. It's not much going on out there anymore. And especially in the winter, you know, everything would be closed. But I didn't care. We got on the subway and headed out, and it was wonderful. It was snowing that day. And I just remember taking the coolest photographs and just wandering around and it being quiet. And it's a whole different experience in the summer when the sideshows are happening. And that's equally as exciting. Tiffany's fascination with circus or carnival environments often show up in her work. And even though some of the characters she dreams up may look a bit strange, she sees all of them as being very happy with their lives. When I first started painting, I painted a lot from um, my childhood. I had a wonderful childhood, you know, played make-believe. So a lot of my stories early, early on paintings were stories from childhood. And then that kind of morphed in when I ran out of my own stories. I kind of morphed over into the, the sideshow people 
And in my mind, all the sideshow people love being in the sideshow. You know, that's they love it there. So I would, my people always had a happy twist. Yes, she may not have arms or legs, but for some reason, she has a collection of the world's most fabulous shoes and lives in the sideshow, and she loves it there. So I always put a happy twist to my sideshow performers. Painting was not the only artsy endeavor that Tiffany got into in New York. In fact, some of her activities actually made her the art form. Well, I did take burlesque dancing classes, but I also took pinup classes. And so I really did more pinup modeling than burlesque. I never performed, but I did um, twirl my tatas <laughs> during burlesque class. And it was, um, it was a real hoot. The, the very first day, I thought we might ease into class because it was a several weeks worth of burlesque dancing. I thought we might ease into things, but the very first day, our shirts were off. But I was more into the pinup modeling. There, there's something for every single person in New York City. And that's another wonderful thing about it. I loved vintage clothing. And I dealt in vintage clothing for years in Winston-Salem. And um, so I found this group online and it was just a pinup, I think it was called pinup meetup. And there were photographers in it. There were makeup artists, hairdressers, um, prop stylists, models. We all got together uh, and it was free. You didn't make any money doing this, but you got practice. Like there were people that wanted to be hair and makeup. So they would get to do the hair and makeup on us models. And there were people that were looking to, to have a serious modeling career. I was not, I was just in there to, to have fun and to wear my vintage clothes and have some cute little pictures made. And we got to pose in some really cool places. There was, um, one place called the Beauty Bar in New York. I'm not sure if it's still there or not, but it was decorated like a 1950s hair salon with the old um, hair dryers that you pull down over your head. And on certain nights, you could actually get a manicure and a martini. You know, it's all very girly, girly, girly. But there, it was um, just beautiful. The walls were painted in glitter. The bar tops were shiny and pink and just gorgeous. So that was probably my favorite photo shoot with the group. But we also got to go out to, and I don't remember the, the full name of it, but it was, um, like a airplane museum. So they had all these old bomber planes and, uh, we got, per, you know, had the permission where we could stand on them or touch them and lean on them. And my dad has always been fascinated with old airplanes and stuff. So I was happy to send him those photos. Tiffany says she embraces change and knew that living in New York City would not last forever. They considered moving to a beach community in Wrightsville, North Carolina, but ended up choosing Tybee Island instead. And in retrospect, she says she's glad they did. My husband and I both knew we would probably be there five to ten years. That's what we were, were guessing. When we moved there, we didn't even have jobs, so we were hoping we could find a job and make it five to ten years. <laughs> and then... I don't know, those winters, they got so long. Uh, the first year we were there, we made it through winter, and we are like, oh, that's not bad. What's everybody talking about, these horrible New York winters? Well, then each year after that, it got longer and colder and snowier. And I think it's just um, finally we had enough of the 
people. It was just, you know, crowded and we were just ready for, for beach life. And so I have a sister in Savannah. My older sister lives in Savannah. So we came to visit her. Two or three days is all we had to visit at that point. And we went back to New York and decided this is where we would like to move. I just liked the atmosphere here, the history here. You know, Riceville Beach kind of just looks like a sandbar. There's not a lot of trees on it, not much history. The houses are a little newer, and I liked the old houses that were here. And now that I think back on it, probably the art opportunities in Little Wrightsville Beach would not have been, you know, I can't think of any art galleries on Wrightsville Beach. You know, it just wasn't as open art-wise. Where here, there was an art association that I immediately joined when I moved here so I could have some art friends and, and just it's amazing how many creative people is on this little island. Moving to a beach community has had some influence on her work, but she tries to stay true to her aesthetic, even if it does take on a bit of an island flavor. So my art is a little darker. I do some kind of cute but creepy people, mostly, mostly little girls, too. I, I like the female figure better than the male figure. And... When people come to visit Tybee, they want paintings of oyster shells and the lighthouse, you know, and I understand that they want to take a piece of Tybee back with them. So it's always a challenge for me to keep true to myself, to to paint what I really want to paint, but yet appeal to a broader audience. So a lot of times you will find that I have painted my little girls out in front of the Tybee lighthouse. Or maybe they have a sand bucket and coming out of it's a little, a little creature that they have found at the sea. So I'm kind of trying to combine both of them and, um, but stay true to myself, make others happy. And what I think is the coolest part about it is when somebody comes, I work in a gallery that I have some art in here on Tybee and I never tell them when a, when a customer comes in, which art is mine. I just let them look around. You know, I greet them and let them look because I love seeing people's faces when they look at my work or what they say when they see my work. It's not always wonderful what they say, but that's part of it. I know my art is not for everybody, but the coolest part is I have this one story that was maybe, I don't know, a couple of months ago, I was working in the gallery and this lady came in and she was looking around and she spent a lot of time at my wall looking and looking. And I still, I still didn't say, Oh, that's my work. You know, I just let her look. And so she looked some more, but she chose a pair of earrings and came to, to pay for it. And she said, I don't know whose artwork that is over there. She said, but I just hated that when I first walked in. And I said, really? And I said, well, that's mine. And she's like, oh no, I'm so sorry. She said, I did. I hated it when I first came in. But she said, I just looked and looked. And the more I looked, the more I liked it. And she said, you know, I just really love it. And and, and she wasn't buying it. And that was okay. She brought the earrings. But we had a great, wonderful conversation because she had never seen art like that. And I felt like I kind of opened her mind a little bit to art. And so she left. We had a wonderful conversation. I had no ill will towards her hating my art because, you know, it's not for everybody. But then about two hours later, she came back and she said, no, 
I just went and I have just thought about your artwork all day and I have to buy a piece. And so she bought a, a print of mine. So I felt like my, my day was made. Another great part of being on Tybee meant that Tiffany had a chance to reconnect with her sister, Lisa Ocampo. They were both very surprised at how much they had in common artistically. For many years, she and I were estranged from each other. Um, not really our doing. She was just out there and we didn't know where she was. So anyway, we didn't know each other there for a while in our adult lives. And then when we got back together and we were chatting and talking about what we all we had been doing in our lives, she's like, well, I've been doing some artwork. And I was like, oh, yeah, really? Me too. And then when we showed each other our artwork, not having seen each other in many, many years, our artwork was very similar to each other's. And yeah, I'll be I'll be at a show or something and I'll have somebody come up and say, oh, where's Lisa at? And I'm like, well, I don't know. I'm her sister. And they're like, oh, well, this is her work. And I'm like, no, this is my work. But then you get to some people that oh, they can spot us, you know, the difference in us right off the bat. And I guess what I see a little bit different is the time periods we like to paint from. She does a lot of Victorian. Her her people have a lot of Victorian wear. Mine tend to have a little bit more 50s, like 30s, 40s, 50s look. I have the bigger eyes, usually, unless I'm in a small eye phase. I go through phases of sizes of eyes. <laughs> so just the sizes of our eyes. And I really think she's probably a better painter technique-wise, and so I would be able to tell, you know, just by the technique of her painting. If you'd like to find out more about Tiffany, she's easy to find on the island, or you can check her out online. On Tybee, I am in the Tybee Cottage Art Gallery. I have a wall in there at all times, and we are open every day. There will be an artist ready to help you with your selections, and I work there three days a month, but they're just totally arbitrary days. And then during the spring, summer, and fall, I am at the Tybee Farmer's Market, and that will be starting again mid-March, I believe. Whenever the time changes, the market starts back. And I'm there every week, barring any uh, bad weather or if I decide to go on a vacation somewhere. And in Savannah, I am in a gallery called GCD Home Interiors. And you can find me online. And it's best just to like Google Tiffany O'Brien and that'll send you in the right direction anyway. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of What's Up, Tybee. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your friends and family. And also let us know if there are people or events or topics on this special island that you would like to know more about. Hope you'll bring your ears back next time on March 1st for another edition of What's Up, Tybee. But until then, be safe. And no matter where you are, live like you're on Tybee time. Tybee.